Hi, I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. have a big pizza cookie in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm working on it. I'm chewing it. It's delicious. <laughs> Very moist. Haley brought them. I did. She didn't make them. I did not make them. They came in a box. Thank God. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, nonetheless, they are fantastic. They so are I'm trying good. to chew quickly so that you guys don't hear. But dang. They're good. They're good. Good, mm-hmm. good cookies. Mm-hmm. You know something I was thinking? What were you thinking? <sighs> there, that's better. <laughs> um, something I was thinking about was whenever we wrap recording, if Haley's at my house, I swear we finish the episode, she like has that computer down. She has those right. things and she's like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> she loves me for the time I'm here and she's like, see you in a you know, hot minute, honey boo. And she is gone. And I thought about that and I was like, is it me? Do I offend? Well, obviously I do offend. <laughs> but no, I think that, you know, it's usually so freaking late. Yeah. And we live so far away from yeah. each other. And actually, I'm that way too. But my difference is, usually when we record at your house, your parents are um, yeah. on babysitting duty for yes. my, my child. Um, and so usually we go up and like see what he's up to right? and watch like your animals play and yeah. you know, it's really sweet. Yeah. So that's a little different, but yeah, usually cause when we record at my house, my child is sleeping. Right. So we do it at night after his bedtime. So usually. Yeah. Like it's 11 20 PM currently. Yeah. And I, I promise you as soon as we finish this episode, I'll be out of here in 10 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Now I know Haley loves me, but she's I like, do. bye. But I've got to go home. I totally get it. I totally get it. But I just think, like, every time it's funny, like, I've never seen someone, like, pack up her stuff. Like, right, man, right. you know how, like, when school's, you're looking at the clock oh, yeah. and school's about to end, you know, and you're like, it's five minutes. Why don't I go ahead and pack my backpack? Like, and very the, quietly shuffling your papers. And the your... teacher's like, uh, uh, guys, uh, the bell hasn't rung. Like, Stop. And you're like, okay, but really, you're like, I just want to get my backpack together. I just want to go. Exactly. Yeah. That's Haley. That's you're me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I do love you, but I have a 45-minute drive home. At least. At least, yeah. if there's not traffic, which there yeah. usually isn't this late at night. Not this late at night. Um, coming here, there was a little bit. I was going to say, usually you coming here. Um, I live kind of in the area where there's the most traffic. Yeah, there's a lot of traffic. Yeah, yeah. Coming in. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not it's not too bad when I leave here, so I'll make it probably home by like forty minutes. Depending on how fast you drive. Yeah, fast. Just don't get a ticket. I won't. Okay. Well I did bring with me um our mics are still held up by these janky God. zip ties. Because we're, you know, not making any money on this as of now. Not so yet, um, but tell your friends. I uh, I was afraid the zip ties were gonna finally, you know, give way tonight. So I brought <clears throat> more zip ties and please tell me how many are in there it's a hundred pack 
hundred. Um, we have pack. we have two microphones. Eleven inch cable ties up to forty five pounds. I mean, I just I don't even know what to say to that. I have double lock technology. That's, That's terrifying. It. Yeah. You just carry that around your backpack. Well, I usually have it in a box in my closet, hidden away, um, <laughs> with my tarps and my duct tape. Gotcha. But today I was like, as I was pulling the um the max out because they they stay with my tarps and my duct tape and my zip ties. I thought, hmm, I might need these extra zip ties. So I pulled those out and chucked them in my bag, and now here we are. What a combination of items. Yeah. Like, you know, it's where we keep the mics for the podcast. That's where we keep, you know, the podcast essentials. <laughs> the zip ties. And I say so. we. I just mean you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm fortunate that you do keep the mics and all that other stuff, which is very nice and, and helpful. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, you're um, and, and bringing this cart and this stuff here, you know, when it's our turn at my house, you know, whatever. But, um, you still scare the hell out of me. I'm just going to be, <laughs> just going to be frank. It's probably a good thing. Keep me a little scared? Probably. <laughs> it's always good. What do they say? Always good to have a little bit of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Fear, fear thy friend. Fear thy friend. And I do. Okay. The good news is my friend gets the hell out of here, so, you know, after the right. podcast, friend doesn't linger. She doesn't linger. No, she's not a lingering friend. No, well, usually, I mean, we've both worked, you know, a full day mm-hmm. and are ready to go to bed. Typically, yeah. So, um, do you pass out, like, pretty much as soon as I leave? Um, no. It actually takes me a while does to wind it, down. So like, it does. Well, I have a 40-minute drive home to wind down. Yeah, it, I can't. I'll, like, take my bed down and take my bed down. I, I always make my bed. So take my bed down and, like, you know, I'll, like, watch some stupid show for a few minutes until I can kind of get myself together and then I'll go to sleep. Yeah. But yeah, it takes me a hot minute. Yeah. And then the thought in my head is always, like, my child's going to be up at 6 and you only get so many hours of sleep. And then, like... Then I can't sleep, so yeah. anyway. Always that. <sighs> well, oh, the in unison breathing. I know, that was a good sigh. Yeah. Good, good sigh there. That was nice. Well, it's 11.30, so we're going rock and roll. Let's do <laughs> right let's on through do this. this. So this week we are going to talk about a pretty recent case of a murder on the Appalachian Trail. I like how fancy you are. Murder. Murder. And I'm I'm suddenly French. Murder. And you're like, murder. How fancy. <laughs> yeah. So this case, I actually remember it pretty well. Um, and I remember them looking for the guy. Because hmm. I remember hearing people talk about this crazy guy that had a machete. He was up on the trail and would chase hikers. And... The county that I live in actually has an ac- like several, you know, access points points for mm-hmm. the Appalachian Trail where people can start or, you know, come down and we're we're a pretty, you know, hiker friendly town. Yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. border I mean, it runs right through my county. So we have a lot of um a lot of hikers come through and we actually had alerts in the area. I remember getting alerts that were like be on the lookout for this guy. Wielding a machete. Wielding a machete. And he had actually been spotted and was actually arrested um, for a short period of time over the mountain in Unicoi County in Tennessee. Because where I live borders the 
Tennessee line. So on to the story. Uh, James Jordan was originally from West Yarmouth, Massachusetts. And Jordan had a pretty rough childhood, which seems to be a common theme. We say a lot, do. Yeah, on this podcast here. His father apparently once threatened to chop up his mother. Hmm. Uh, His father then died of a drug overdose when he was six. So, well, they didn't really follow through on this threat there. He lived in low-income housing on Cape Cod with his mother and his younger brother. His mother was a super heavy drinker and pretty much let Jordan kind of do whatever he wanted. So he just kind of had, you know, run of the run of the place. Wow. Yeah. The adults in his life, um, when he was a child, said that Jordan was, you know, a sweet kid that really just needed some structure. Probably. Which in Fair. the work that both you and I have done, we've seen that that is, <laughs> like, kids, kids need, need structure. structure. Yes, they do. Yes. He loved the guitar. Um, and he was actually pretty good at it. Like, adults would comment on, like, he was this budding guitar player. He was, you know, he was pretty good. He often fell asleep, which I found this, like, really, really sad. He would fall asleep watching the Animal Planet because he was afraid of the dark. So he would, like, have it on and watch it because he was so scared. Which makes me sad. Well, (laughs) but, I mean, we're here for this kind of story, so something tells me that... Yeah. I think we can feel bad for him as a kid, but not so much as, like... The adult that, the he adult that he becomes. So at around 13 years old, he started drinking and smoking marijuana. I mean, seems right. He was around it. Right. He was not going to school regularly. And he had a fr- he and a friend, kind of around that time, were arrested for breaking into a car. And wow. his mother, you know, at this point, she had kind of had enough of him. And decided the best thing to do would be to kick him out of his home in the middle of the night. What a good idea. Right. Now, the mom clearly had some issues. Right. Going on. She's got some stuff going on um, of her own. So I think it is pretty safe to say that no one in the house was really handling things in a healthy way. No. And his mother actually went so far as to ban him from the housing complex. Like, got the, like landlords involved or whatever like the management company was she saying things like well he's a thief and i think so i think she just kind of was like you know he's not to come back here or whatever but at this point he's young he's like 14 yeah i mean that's tough to say about a child who's still underage yeah so when he was doing better so like not drinking as much she would actually let him back into the apartment but she had to sneak him past management because she had banned him from being there, so... an interesting, kind of the pot calling the kettle black, I mean, yeah. she was an alcoholic. Right, so she was a heavy drinker, and now she's, like, has an issue with him being a heavy drinker. I mean, well, maybe, maybe he's 13, so... Well, <laughs> I mean, yes. Right. But I think there also is the point of, you know, maybe she wanted something better for him. She yeah. couldn't get out of her own alcoholism, right. but... Right, you know. So, his mother then decided to move to Winoski... Maybe, that's what we're going with, uh, Vermont. Okay, sounds good. And Jordan followed her there at some point, um, I think maybe around, he's probably around 16 at this point when he followed her there. 
The fighting between him and his mom continued, and he would often just leave the apartment and go find somewhere to sleep outside. He committed more petty crimes in Vermont, but was never really held long by police. Now, Jordan uh, had a brother named Dustin Wilds, and he said in a Facebook post that Jordan would just trash the house and would refuse to go to counseling. Hmm. He said... This is quote. He was and is to this day insane and just a terrible person. My mother tried and tried, but only so much you can do before someone becomes a lost cause. Wow. End quote. So that's kind of the like mentality of the people Ooh. that he is living with. Very harsh. Right. Which, I mean, I feel for the family as well, of, like, just not having the resources or knowing how to handle this right. kid. I mean... Because, I mean, he's a kid who has so much rage and anger. Yeah. yeah what does he do with it? Right. You know? He acts out. And now, a neighbor actually took Jordan in for a while, and she said that he was a sweet kid. He was so grateful for home-cooked meals that he, you know, wasn't really getting at home. And... But as he got older, he got more erratic. Like, his behavior started just spiraling. He started selling weed, and he would walk around at night just looking for someone to pick a fight with. His mother then decided that, you know, she was going to buy him a tent and cut ties with him. And was like, here's a tent. Go live your life. (laughs) I mean, maybe... Let me help you rent an apartment or even let me put you up just like in a hotel for a couple of days and then it's on you to take care of, like yeah. give you the start. Yeah. But here's a tent. Here's a tent. Well, and he, I think the logic was like, he likes to be outside. He likes to live outside. So here's a tent. I, don't, I, couldn't, I don't know. I couldn't send my son off with a tent. Like, I don't, I don't know. Everybody's different. Yeah. And you're also mentally stable. So. <laughs> That you know of. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, there was a lot. There's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. So he's got his tent. <laughs> with his, I got my house right here he in my hand. Tent. Which, I mean, and folks that live like that nomadic life, like I wish I was like able to do that. Right. That I had just. You could kind of go anywhere. Yeah, you could go anywhere, yeah. or do anything. You're super You're not tied down. resourceful. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that's, like, that part draws me to it. The sleeping outside, the bugs, and the no shower part just kind of ex-nays that the for me. lack of facilities. Yeah. I can't poop outside. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah, that's a, that would be a hard one. Sometimes they are. That's when you have to take medicine. <laughs> so Jordan's got his tent. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to segue back into this. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> it's so late. Okay. Constipation is real, people. It is, such it is a real. real. Thing. It's real. It's real. Okay. Now that we've gotten that PSA out of the way. <laughs> okay, so Jordan's got his tent, and he is floating around between Vermont and Cape Cod, and at this point, he's selling drugs. Gotcha. So he's doing that whole thing. Now, his paranoia. Also seems to be getting worse. His friend said that he was obsessed with having an escape route out of wherever he was. But also same. Like. Yeah. Anywhere I go, I have 
at least two exits. Like, two different options of how to get out of the situation. I think part of that just because being a single female. Yeah. And, like, just knowing your surroundings. I think, um, you know, in my training as a therapist, the rule is you always are sitting closest to the door and, you know, you never want your back to the door. You always want to be closer to it and... You know, so I think escape route. Yeah, I mean, I see that. Yeah. So I get that. But he was also paranoid that people were talking about him. Now, in January of 2011, he was actually arrested for refusing to leave a day's in. So he's got a hotel room I mean, now. maybe they have a continental breakfast. Maybe. I wouldn't yeah. want to leave that either. That's, I mean, free breakfast, that's nice. That's nice. But yeah, he wouldn't leave the day's in. Um, the cops really just, you know, so they show up, but they really just wanted him to leave hmm. the place. They weren't really looking to arrest him or do anything. They were just like, hey, bud, you gotta go. Yeah. Uh, he then volunteered, though, that he had a pound of marijuana in his car. Was he looking for, like, a nice place to stay over? Not nice place, but, <laughs> like, you know, that was not a tent. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I think he just was like, oh, I have a pound of marijuana in my car. Well, I mean, clearly he was having some mental health issues anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the cops, um, of course, then had to arrest him for, you know, the marijuana. Mm -hmm. And he spent a few days in jail for that, but, you know, was then released. He then went back to the home of that neighbor lady that took him in for a little while when he was a teen. Mm-hmm. Now, he showed up at her house and started just talking out of his head, saying, talking about ravens and gods and devils, just off the wall, like clearly having some type of crisis. Psychotic break. Yeah. Now, she and her husband actually took him to the University of Vermont Medical Center, hoping to get him you know, some help. Right. Because they knew, like, this guy needs some help. He was transferred to an inpatient facility, but he signed himself out. But, I mean, so he was IVC'd. Right, but I think... Voluntarily committed. Yeah. But... They probably only had, like, a 24-hour hold or something. Yeah, that's true. And then as an adult, you can kind of sign yourself out whenever you want. It's true. So he did that. um, And then he just started kind of wandering around. And a friend named Tynan, I believe is how you say her name, she actually found him wandering in Cape Cod a few days later. So Tynan said that his pupils were wide and he was just rambling about something. She couldn't really understand what he was trying to say. So she actually took him in and he stayed with her and her ex-boyfriend for a few months, I guess just kind of on their couch. Oh. So she, you know, she really wanted to try to help him. Clearly. Yeah. Jordan was actually convinced that Tynan's ex-boyfriend... So, this kind of goes into his delusions a little bit. So, he was convinced that her ex-boyfriend was incinerating dead bodies at his restaurant on behalf of the government. He believed his medication was something that the government was using to try to silence him, and he would bury bullets in the backyard for safekeeping. Well, that's not frightening at all. He didn't have a gun, but he just was like, I need these bullets. Just in case. Just in case. So, yeah, he is definitely having some problems here. Right. 
he started to get, you know, a little bit better. I guess he was having some good days, which, you know. It's common. It was common. Yeah. He's having some good days, and he decided he was going to hitchhike. He just needed to get out. He needed to clear his head, be out of that area. So he hitchhiked down to Florida, and then actually went from Florida to California, across the bottom of the country. Went all the way across. He did some pretty... He did kind of an L shape. Yeah, he did, definitely. And... Things were going well for him. He seemed to be, you know, he was pretty active on Facebook. So they were keeping up with him. Tynan was trying to keep up with him. And, you know, she said in an interview, like, he was doing well. He was messaging her saying, you know, I've really found myself out here. I'm happy. Things, you know, really did appear to be going okay for him. Um, But as it often does, things deteriorated pretty quickly he was arrested three times pretty much back to back but wasn't you know really held long for any of these so he was arrested for staggering shirtless down route 28 and fleeing the police he was again arrested for fighting staff at cape cod hospital because he thought they were giving him a lethal injection he was then arrested again the next day for walking naked near cape cod airfield Hmm. I was like, but, you know, was never really charged with anything that would let him have a jail, like, time. Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, they probably recognize that he was suffering. But if you're recognizing that he's he's got something going on, wouldn't you try and put some services into place for him? So the judge actually did. The judge um, actually ordered a mental health evaluation. So he was supposed to go for this evaluation, I think, and stay for like 45 days or something. Oh. Wow. Um, but, you know, so he did go for this evaluation, but somehow he was found competent and was released. Interesting. Because he's having a really good day. Must have. When they tested, so. This also leads you to was it the drugs that was making him have these? I mean, it could have been, but. What I think happened is they didn't want to deal with him. Mm. I think they knew he would move on after this. Because, fun fact, the audio recording of the court session where his mental health was talked about has been destroyed. Just gone. Somehow. So that leads me to think... They probably didn't know how to deal with him. Possibly. You know, I don't want to, like, you know, put words in anybody's mouth, but they took that away when that was destroyed, so. Mm. No, we don't know what happened there. So, that audio recording was destroyed. But he was ordered to go to therapy in Vermont. But he decided that, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So, instead, he went back down to Florida. Because he's made his way back up to Massachusetts now. So he was in Massachusetts when all this happened with the audio recording and all that. Gotcha. So he's now decided, hey, I'm going to go back to Florida because I'm not going to Vermont. So he had been in California. Life seemed good. Came back. All that mischief happened. Now he's back in Florida. Now he's gone back to Florida. Okay. Yes. So he's back in Florida uh, where he was again arrested. For stealing chicken and soda from a Publix. Oh. 
So, obviously just, that didn't, you know, he wasn't held. No, because it just leads you to go, the guy's hungry. Yeah. So he wasn't really held for that either. He then decided to just travel with his dog and meet up with other groups of hikers. He was just going to, you know, travel around, hike some trails. And he did well with that for a while. You know, that was kind of like when he was hitchhiking. He was doing really well. You know, he played his guitar on the street for money. He was sleeping outside, which he seemed to enjoy. And this, I thought, was crazy. In February of 2019, he went to the Rainbow Gathering. Holy cannoli. So, for you guys, if you haven't heard that episode, yeah, it's actually a very popular episode. It is a really popular episode. Um, okay. That is called uh, The Rainbow Murders. I can't remember which episode it I is. Maybe eight. I'm not sure exactly. It's an earlier it's an one. It's an earlier one of ours. Um, but it was a gathering that happened in West Virginia? Virginia? Yeah, it travels around all okay. the time. That year it was in, I think, West Virginia. Okay. But yeah, the main idea is it's you know all about peace and love and the earth and yeah harmony yeah very yeah. much like just a gathering of like-minded folks yeah which so, that's interesting that he would go to that wow right we're so making all these there. connections yeah and this time it was in florida okay so he was already in florida so he went but he started you know picking bites of people and was just really starting to lose it mm. there his you know he got super paranoid again he was convinced that his food was being poisoned so he just was not doing well there and his brother actually sent him a message saying that their mother was actually dying of lung cancer and that he you know he needed to come home jordan told him no i'm not coming home i don't want to don't want to see her i don't want to be there wow so his mother actually passed on March 2nd of 2019, and Jordan did not come home for the funeral either. At this point, he takes off for the Appalachian Trail, and that is where, you know, he really lost it. Just completely spiraled into the psychosis that he was having. I wonder if some of that was um, induced by the death of his mother. Like, even though he didn't want to see her be around her, that has to impact you. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's a, probably a really good assumption. So, he was 31 at the time of the attacks that we're going to talk about next. This is where it's kind of all starting to unfold. So, we've got some background on him. We know kind of where he's at mentally. Right. At this point. It's not good. Right. So, he is 31 years old at the time and he is traveling and hiking this trail with his dog Felicia. Bye Felicia. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. Yes. <laughs> my notes I was like insert pause. <laughs> insert Holly. <laughs> Bye Felicia. So he's got his dog. He's you know traveling along. He went by the name of Sovereign hmm. while he was on the trail. Interesting. And he was pretty well known on the trail for being someone who, you know, threatened hikers, just made people really uncomfortable. Now, oh man, there's Sovereign and Felicia. We better hide. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Sovereign. Yeah, it was not good. That's scary. So in 2019, Jordan started this fun new game 
where he would randomly approach hikers singing and playing his guitar and then like threaten them. Like, waving a machete at him. That's not a fun game. No, not a fun game at all. Huh. So that was what he was kind of doing in the early part of 2019. Jordan Solvard, you sick bastard? Yeah, not great. All right. He had actually been reported to authorities for threatening hikers on the trail in Tennessee. This is up in Unicoi County. This is what I remember of it. The police in Tennessee, you know, responded to that. And they arrested him in April of 2019 because when they got there, he was slurring his words, stumbling around, he was threatening people, and he had a machete. So he had a weapon. Um, But he was released by the Tennessee police because, again, they don't really have anything. I think he was there for like a week, maybe. And he wasn't there long, but then they let him out with all his stuff. Well, and that's the hard part is, like, no one was hurt. Nothing really had, like, what do we do with this? Yeah, so they didn't have a whole lot, you know. I get it. I remember him being arrested in Tennessee. I remember seeing that story of, you know, a crazy guy with a machete arrested on the Appalachian Trail. Like, I remember that headline in the paper. And then I remember how mad people were that they just released him. But again, I don't really have anything. To go back on the trail with his machete. Didn't have anything that would keep him in jail at that point. Right. So at this point, a group of four hikers, they run into Jordan on the trail. He was playing his guitar and he just seemed kind of off. So the hikers, you know, kind of moved around him and went out to set up their camp on the Wythe County section of the trail in Virginia. Yes, yeah, so I know exactly where Wythe County is. Mm-hmm. I live not far from it. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's in the same... It wouldn't have been a hard hike for someone who's no. used to doing it to get there Yeah, you know, pretty quickly. So at some point, Jordan came up to their campsite and started threatening them saying he was going to pour gasoline on their tent and light them on fire. You know, just for shits and giggles. So the hikers are pretty freaked out, obviously. For sure. And decide that they need to, you know, get the heck out of there. Mm -hmm. So they start, you know, packing up all their stuff. Jordan's gone. He's left the campsite. And they're like, let's pack up and get out of here. Jordan then comes back. And he starts running after two of the hikers with the machete. Oh, jeez. Just chasing them down the trail. They were able to get away. But Jordan then, you know, realized he wasn't going to catch them. So turned around and came back to camp where he got into an altercation with 43-year-old Ronald Sanchez Jr., who was actually, he was an Army veteran. Now, Sanchez had fought in the Iraq War, and he had some pretty severe PTSD going on. Oh, my God. He was hiking the trail because it was, you know, one of the only places that he felt calm and like himself. So, you know, pretty similar to to Jordan, you know, in a way. You mm-hmm. know, obviously not as severe. Right. But, you know. It's where they find solace. Right. You know, Sanchez did Tai Chi. He actually talked with other hikers and was able to open up about some of the trauma that he faced in Iraq and was really, like, doing well while on the trail. And on May 10th of 2019, Sanchez joined up with three hikers and they made that group of four. Mm. So he had met up with these guys and he was going to travel with them for a while, which, so he's doing well for himself till they ran into Jordan. So Jordan comes back and he actually stabbed Sanchez 
multiple times, killing him. Gosh. He then chased the woman who was there with him, who was still in the camp, down the trail. And he caught up to her and stabbed her multiple times as well. Now, she was smart and incredibly strong. Because I don't think I could have done it. She played dead. Mm. Until he left. And she was actually able to get to some other hikers for help. But they had to help her travel six miles to be able to call 911. Oh, so she stabbed. Were they carrying her or? I, they, the articles I read said they helped her hike out. Oh my God. So they're up on this trail and they have to hike out to be able to call 911. Wow. To get. She is very strong. Yeah, she is amazing. I would have been like, just let me die here on the side of this This trail. Let me die on this mountain. So the Weth County Sheriff's Department, they then had to hike in to try to find Jordan. And they came up to a couple who was just terrified. This was not the same couple that had run away. This was a completely different couple that was in their tent. And they said they had heard a scream around 1 a.m., and they were too scared to leave their tent. They then said that a man had come up to their tent around 4 a.m. and asked them for a flashlight. So they unzipped the tent just enough to, like, hand the flashlight out so he would leave. <laughs> Zip it back, yeah. And zipped it back up like, it's a canvas tent. What the heck are you going to do? Exactly. She can slash right Right. But, you know, he apparently, you know, seemed to move on yeah. after they handed him the flashlight. So we're like, okay, great. The deputies moved, you know, on up the trail, away from them, when this dog, you know, ran out of them. <gasps> Felicia. Hi, Felicia. <laughs> She's back. The dog uh, led them back to Jordan. Good. Who was hiding in the bushes. Now, he was literally just a few yards away from that couple in the tent who had given him the flashlight. Oh. So he'd been sitting there watching. since 4 a.m. watching them. Oh, you know, this next. is after dawn that the police get there. So, yeah, it's very likely that uh, they were next. Oh, gosh. Officers, you know, moved on. They arrested him. And he went with them very calmly. Like, very just nonchalant about the whole thing. They were able to find his knife. And they also found the body of Robert Sanchez. Now, Jordan told police, quote... I'm glad you got here. Someone was just standing over my head with a rock. Hmm. So clearly not even here. Right. Just completely in this alternate reality that he has built for himself here. They then had to walk five miles to get out and get back to the road. Jordan said nothing the entire trip back just was in a completely daze like almost like catatonic Catatonic, just walking out Hmm. he was arrested on charges of first degree murder attempted murder assault with intent to murder and two counts of assault with a deadly weapon during court proceedings in july of 2019 judge pamela Sargent found that jordan was not fit to stand trial due to his mental health He was then taken to a federal treatment center in Butner, North Carolina, where he spent some time, you know, getting treatment. 
Really, they just wanted to see if he could be restored to competency, which I have thoughts on. Right. Because they wanted him you know, to be able to stand trial. Right. The judge actually granted an extension for his treatment in February of 2020. Now, in May of 2020, psychiatrists reported that Jordan was fit to stand trial. A preliminary examination and detention hearing was set for June 25th of 2020. And then the trial was set to start in January of 2021. So this year it was supposed to start. I could not find any reports that the trial had actually happened. So maybe due to COVID, it has just been like a lot of murder trials have been backed up because of COVID. Yeah. So I'm thinking that that's, you know, probably what's happened. I, I mean, he's being held, you know, he's right. out. He's charged. Being right. Held. He's being, being held in prison awaiting trial. Will you update us when you find out more? I will. The last article I found was that one um, that said that the trial was set to start in January of 2021. So we haven't heard anything yet. Yeah. On if it's going to, like, when it's going to happen. Um I did want to make sure you guys know about the article. I used a couple articles for this case, but the main one was actually written um, in the Boston Globe, and it's called The Long Twisted Fatal Journey, Hiker Called Sovereign. That's the name of the article. Wow. You, it's written so well. Like, yeah. It's amazing. If you really? want, like, a deep dive into, you know, his mental health, interviews with neighbors that knew him, all of this. This is where I got a lot of my story from. So if my story sounds similar to that article, that's why. But it's awesome. The link to it will be in our notes, our show notes. So definitely check it out. So interestingly enough, I was thinking about the name that he gave himself. Mm-hmm. So he gave himself sovereign, like king, ruler, monarch, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it kind of plays to how he saw himself. Yeah. And that he was sort of an intimidator, an enforcer kind of thing. Um, just very interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I think this case was really interesting to me because of, I think, the mental health aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And just how much trauma there was because it's you know in the work that we've both done I think we've seen we've seen psychosis we've seen you know that dissociation and it typically what we've seen it in at least is from effects of trauma right you know I know some people are just born with these you know sometimes they're hereditary yeah um but I mean you know, who's to say that had he been born in a different family or had his family not had these issues that they had, yeah. that he wasn't exposed to some of these things really, really young, that maybe he wouldn't have turned out like this. And yeah. we also have to factor in drug use and how that affects yeah. um, the mind. You know, I've known people who seem to be kind of stable and when they use drugs it sort of brings out that mental health side that piece um where yes it may have manifested down the road but that exacerbated it it made it 
you know, kind of come out faster and more intense. And so, um, you know, obviously he was probably hearing things, seeing things. Yeah, definitely. Um, and especially, I can't diagnose him. Um, he's not my patient, but right. you know, certainly often individuals who feel like they have the government's against me, people are watching me, that kind of intense paranoia lead you to think maybe more the schizophrenic route. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, hopefully they'll, you know, have psychologists who are there who can testify to that um, and about that. Yeah. Um, My, I mean, I hate that it ended the way it did because I think there were so many opportunities many. along the way for him to many. be Get committed. Help. Yes. And I know we don't like to think of, you know, we like to think of people having autonomy and having, you know, free will to decide what they want to do about their mental health. But for someone like him with, you know, if it is schizophrenia, he's not going to make that choice for himself. And I think there was a lot of opportunities here for somebody to step in. Not only to help him manage the schizophrenia um, through, you know, oral medication, through um, regular therapy, exercise, you know, things to, to help balance that, but also to help deal with the trauma and yeah. process it. And he was adamantly against, you know, medication. He didn't want to take medication. He it was against therapy. He thought that it was all government controlled. So at a certain point, there's not a whole lot you can do. Right. In a way, and I hate to say that because I don't think anybody's, you know, a lost cause. Just me. Just Holly. Yeah. (laughs) No, I just, it, this one really baffled me because I think, yes, the, the man that was killed, that's horrific and it shouldn't have happened because there was a lot of things that should have been in place. The woman who was injured, that's horrific. She's going to live with that trauma the rest of her life. But I also think he's a victim as well. Oh, for sure. Because of, you know, childhood and not having the help that he needed. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. You know, gosh, it, it's such a such a mixed bag here because honestly, had there been things in place to maybe give him the support even early on, yeah. you know, maybe someone had found him at 14 besides the neighbor, you know, and, yeah. and really given him the mental health support that he needed. Right. Maybe things could be different for him. And also every single time he was arrested, you know, and we've talked about this before, maybe less than an arrest and more of a, let's get you evaluated here, buddy. Let's give yeah. you some services. Um, but then again, you're right. If he's fighting against them and doesn't want to participate, won't take his meds, at the end of the day, he made this decision. Yeah. You know? And he murdered someone. Yeah. And he attempted to murder someone. And, you know, no matter what, that was a choice that he made. And he has to pay the consequences yeah. for that. Yeah. 100%. It's just, it is, it's very challenging because, you know, we both have seen the other side of, yeah. of you know, individuals with mental health issues. So there's that piece of... You know, and seeing how successful folks can be. Yes. With debilitating debilitating diagnosis like schizophrenia, dissociative identity disorders. Mm -hmm. We've seen 
And you and I have both seen people live happy, healthy, successful, normal lives. Yes. Quote, unquote, normal lives. Yes. And be, you know, completely... Healthy. Healthy. And happy. Yes. And so I think that's what's so hard about this case is, like, knowing that that potential was there. Yeah. For him. And that, you know, no one is really getting to the root of the psychosis, which really is trauma. Yeah. So if he had had, like I said, the support in place really early on, that's why, you know, even with our kiddos who who have trauma early in their lives, Mm -hmm. if we can have early intervention, if we can get to them as soon as possible, we can make a difference. So that is also another thing that I think about. Yes, you talked about that he was truant. Mm-hmm. from school um but you know in the earlier days maybe yeah. when he wasn't you know like are we picking up on this like you know and honestly i'm not throwing the blame out here because at the end of the day like i said he made his decision this happened um but gosh there's just so many resources that i feel like could have benefited and it's not even like we're talking about a story from the 70s or no, you know, this we're was... talking about a recent story right. So these things were in place during this time period. I mean, this is recent. So this could have been a possibility. Yeah. Like, is he just lost? I know. Ugh. And I don't want this twofold. Don't want this story to, one, you know, dissuade people from hiking the trail. Since the, like... No. I mean... We talk about There's only lot. been, I think, 14 documented murders on the Appalachian Trail. Which sound like a lot, but if you think but it's about the, the history of decades, right? This is not, you know. You know, somebody said I found it, a quote, an article, and I can't remember where I found it or who said it, but it was saying like you're more likely to run into, you know, problems coming to the trail than on the trail. It's true. Like out in the real world. <laughs> I mean, and I think quite honestly, really. You're more likely to run into a bear. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. You're more likely to get into the scuffle with a bear, See, you know, th- yeah. than you are to be, you know, attacked or something. So right. Yeah. It is very rare. And also to not, you know, to not be afraid of folks with mental health issues. Exactly. You know, I think we, we often, this is a true crime podcast. We tell the scary stories. Yeah, we do. But I think we've both said multiple times, we've worked with people who have these disorders that are totally happy, healthy, normal folks that are, you know, living life and... Diagnoses scare people. They do. They hear the term, they hear that, they're like, oh, that's scary. And honestly, this contributes to individuals who even have things like just mild depression who don't want to reach out because they're so scared of the label they're so scared of how other people will judge them so if we can take away the stigma more people will reach out for help yeah and there's a lot of you know now especially i think there's a lot of really great online resources Mm -hmm. there's a lot of really great um you know even like through social media you know folks being able to follow people on like youtube or whatever that have these disorders that really talk about their lives and what their lives are like and make it less of a scary thing. It make you feel less alone. Yeah. That's what our PSA. <laughs> <laughs> so I really thought I knew Holly would enjoy this one because we like to talk about mental health. Yes. Well, I get to get, into get into that side of it, which we don't get to do together as much. No, we don't. We don't, don't. work together. Oh. 
tears. Because you abandoned me. I Actually, did. no, I think we just ditched each other. We ditched each other. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got closer as friends, but as work partners. Yeah, so yeah, we rarely talk about work stuff. I know. We just don't work in the same field anymore. No, not really. Mm-mm. No, it's very different. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Mutual sigh. Mutual sighs. Oh, well, this was a good episode. It was. I'm going to, you know, pack it on up here in about 10 mm. minutes and hit the road, Jack. Or less. I mean, girl, <laughs> so she's so going to be tired. out of here like the flash. And you know what I'll say to her? Bye, Felicia. Yeah, I totally will. <laughs> I totally will. Yeah, it's now 1210. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. It's right. I don't need sleep. Uh, what is sleep? What is sleep? <laughs> Baby, I don't know. I've got to stop. We're losing it. We're losing it. All right. What else is new? Um, So plan to join us back next week. And before we leave you, it is time for our big special shout out. A big special shout out. Yes. Haley, this week, who do you feel like you want to give a shout out to? I want to give a shout out because I just found it on here and I think it's amazing. Raccoon, Kentucky. (sighs) I love that so much. Raccoon, if you're from Raccoon, Kentucky, and you're hearing this, please send us an email. Yeah. With like a picture of your town, like a sign, or of a raccoon. That's adorable. Do you have like a like a town mascot or something? Oh, that's cute. What, what if it's not a raccoon? What if their town mascot's like a possum? Well, then, then it needs to be possum, Kentucky. Right. Yeah. I just saw that on here and I got real excited about that it. That is super exciting. That's hilarious. I love Ooh. it. I love your town. I want to go. It's Me on t- our list. Oh, put it on the list. That's it's right. List. We'll podcast from there. God, yeah. it's just growing. It's growing so much. Raccoon, Kentucky. I'm a fan. Me too. I'm a fan of you. So if you're if you're listening out there, we love you. We're thinking about you. We love you. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for listening. Yes. Uh, all our loyal followers. Followers. Oh, it's getting late. We're losing our up. loyal followers um, who listen every week. So we appreciate you guys so much. Tell your friends. Well, if you want to uh, send us an email from Raccoon, Kentucky, uh, you can do that. Or by, anywhere else. Or anywhere. But specifically Raccoon, Kentucky, I'm talking <laughs> to you. she just loves that. <laughs> I'm just really excited about it. You can send us an email at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. Or you can find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. That's right. Yeah. Check us out, yo. Well, you know, stay vaccinated. Stay masked. (laughs) Stay masked. Stay masked. You know, don't be scared of individuals with mental health diagnoses. And don't be scared to reach out for help if you are experiencing um, any type of mental health issue. Like, there's no stigma. Like, No. No, man. Not anymore. Well, I mean... Not with us, anyway. Not with us. Okay, we're so tired. All right, we'll see you next week, friends. Bye, Felicia. Bye. Bye.